What is good, Dropping Dimes fans, NBA fans? Wow. Like I tweeted last night, wow. Just wow. What two amazing games last night. And please, if you're uh, watching this, chime in at the chat. Um, I'm going to be interacting with you because as I, I put out a new tweet, I don't know if you saw it or not, and it's in the description of the show, I had a guest lined up. Um, he was locked and loaded, and then as soon as the game, uh, the Clippers-Nuggets game ended last night, he just uh, texted me, no no chance I'm coming on tomorrow. And uh, I don't blame him. That was a gut punch. Uh, Clippers fans were rightly assuming that they were going to make a championship run. I, sh shit, I believed it. For the first time ever, I had faith in the Clippers. When you have Kawhi and you have that team, man, it's, you had all the faith. Uh and, you know, and, and what was the potential of that team? Uh, um, <clears throat> Do it for cash. Just chimed in and says, what's good, Matt? Last night was crazy. Last night was undeniably crazy cash. Um, well, we got to start with the Clippers and the Nuggets game. Um, I will get to the Celtics and Heat game. Don't you worry. But that, that Nuggets-Clippers game... I mean, once again, and Wyatt Mohat just said uh, he hoped the Heat game doesn't get overshadowed. Such a good game! It was such a good game, and it won't. It it's only going to come in second on on this, just because the Clippers Nuggets game had has ramifications even beyond just the fact that now the Clippers move on to play the the Lakers starting on Friday. Uh, I believe it's what it's seven p.m. Eastern is the start on that game, <clears throat> but. Historically, now the Nuggets have two times come back from a three-to-one deficit in the same playoffs. Never happened. Never even remotely happened. They were down to Utah. Now, I like them in the Utah series. Uh, and the fact that it went seven, I was a little surprised by that. Uh, I figured the Nuggets would be able to handle that a little bit quicker. But coming into this, I was like, you know what? Best case for the Nuggets is this thing goes six games. Be nice to see him get a couple off the Clippers, and the Clippers were up three to one, and it looked like it was going to be roughly exactly that. And then down by 15 or so, nine minutes left in the third quarter, game five. Nuggets say, fuck that, man. I am I <laughs> we are not going quietly into that night. And they battle back in. They're like, okay, good for the Nuggets. Game six. Down by 15 plus, about nine minutes to go in the third quarter. Fuck that. We're not done yet. They do it again. And then last night's game, it was, uh, I mean, it was utterly ridiculous. I take, you know, when I watch the games, I take notes the whole time. I've got whatever pads of paper around me. These are all, I've got, you know, pages and pages of notes from the games last night as it's going. I'm going through all this, going through my notes. Almost outside of the early on in the game, almost all the positives are for the Nuggets as you're going through this because the the Clippers just looked disjointed and stagnant and the fight um, for them, it was gone. I, there was no, I don't know, there was no urgency with them. As much as everybody was saying before the game started, it's like, ah, oh, the Clippers, they're this team that thinks that they can just flip a switch and turn things on. They really played like that until it was too late. And um, 
you know, I'm a Pat Bev fan, but that foul on Murray late where he's frustrated and he pulls Murray back on the ridiculous no look over the head pass from Jokic. You're just trying to hurt him at that point. And where's the where's the gamesmanship in that? That's just petulant child shit. Uh, so I hope Pat Bev doesn't do it again. But I mean, all the the memes and everything after the game, people unearthing that Paul George commercial from uh, Gatorade, when it's like, you know, he's this super clutch player. And even when they put that out, when he was with the Pacers, it's like, this isn't, this isn't reality. You need to do this for a few more playoff series before this shit is going to be real. Uh, and then they did that and, uh, you know, edited in that three took from the right corner where it hit the side of the backboard was just brutally off. Um, you know, it looked like any of us shooting a three. It's like that you, you are a professional. It should never look that bad. But to see those, uh, I mean, anytime you give yourself a nickname and one as lame as playoff P, I'm always going to be suspect. Kobe's with Black Mamba is the only, you know, self-ascribed nickname that I've ever liked. It's usually the kiss of death. Anybody that decides to give themselves a nickname, you know, the worst nickname I ever heard was a self-ascribed one, which is Drew Gooden. If you remember him and it was pre-draft and somebody, you know, somebody's doing one of those fluff interviews asking them all kinds of random questions that they do with incoming rookies type of thing. Like, Oh, you got any nicknames? He's like, yeah, you know, my teammates call me the big drizzle. Like nobody calls you that Drew. Nobody. The big drizzle. What fucking terrible nickname is I'm the I'm the deafening whisper. Big drizzle is, you know, oxymoron to say the very least there, Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, so playoff P. Shit. Pandemic P. I don't fucking, I don't think so. What do the Clippers do now? Now they've already said that Doc is coming back next season. Done. And Kawhi and Paul George have one year left on their contracts. So after all the the trades and the moves that they made and they gave up their first rounder this year and, you know, and, you know, every couple of years for the foreseeable future just to get Paul George and him and Kawhi are only on two-year deals. And I also love the revisionist history of uh, Paul George after the game when he, you know, was asked about it. He gave a quote of, nobody in this locker room had championship or bust as their aspirations for the season. And just like, dude, get, get out of here. Everybody did from the ownership on through all the management, the marketing team, everybody in that organization down to the teammates. Uh, Pat Bev uh, tweeted out, you know, the next five years or hours when, if, when he found out he was in Vegas, I think at the same nightclub as LeBron and somebody else, and news came out that Kawhi was signed with the Clippers and he ran into a, uh, LeBron's booth and was like, oh, basically we're winning the championship. You ain't got shit. Um, that whole, the whole team, everybody on the team assumed they would be in the very least in the Western Conference finals, but more than likely in the finals vying for a championship. And now they're on the outside looking in. Uh, it has so much effect on all kinds of different stuff. It opens up the door for the Lakers. I'm not denigrating the Nuggets, but they were definitely more fearful of the Clippers than they were the Nuggets. Uh, so now it could have an effect on 
LeBron's legacy and Anthony Davis's, you know, burgeoning legacy. Kawhi went from, hey, if he makes the championship again this year and potentially wins it, he will be crowned as the new best player in the league and the world. And that is now off the table. I mean, he no-showed in the fourth, uh, not the fourth, but in that last night's game, him and Paul George were abysmal. And then the flip side of that, Murray and Jokic were nothing short of stellar. Murray lit it up in the points and Jokic had one of the fattest triple doubles you'll ever see. It's something that I I saw a stat uh, posted about, I think it was on basketball reference that only Wilt Chamberlain has had a stat line like that. I mean, it was a flat out incredible at the end of the first quarter. I started writing it down. So Jokic at the end of the first had what, uh, 10, 12, and 5 is either 10, 10, and 5, 10, 12, and 5. I'm trying to write it all down really quickly as it's going along because I don't want to miss any of the game action. But he's practically on the verge of a double-double right out the, the gate there. Then in the second quarter, Jamal Murray just goes bonkers and scores either 20 or 23 points, just completely lights out. And then in the second half, everybody else uh, stepped up and was playing really well. They're feeding the ball around, finding the hot hand. Guys are cutting, and it's just good team basketball. And the Clippers were just seemed like they assumed all we need is a couple of these baskets to fall and we'll make it like early in the the first half, they were getting wide open looks and they were just missing them. You're like, all right, well, that's the nerves of a game seven. And that really just maintained, especially from uh, Kawhi and Paul George. And I don't anticipate like going cold like that from Kawhi. He had a bad game. Uh, It does happen but he was steady Eddie through almost all the rest of their playoff games and someone that they can consistently rely on. I mean, shit last night was the first time that uh, Lou and Montrez, especially Trez finally looked like the players that they had been the entire season. Trez finally looked like six man of the year. Um, but it was just too much. They had no answer for Jokic, which we've known about Zubac got into foul trouble and they had to sit him. So now you're putting an undersized guy onto Jokic and uh, Jokic was just feeding the ball around left and right and crushing him on the boards. He didn't need to put up that many points. Uh, what did he end up with? Uh, 16? I can look it up real quick. Um, something along those lines. Jokic had, yeah, 16, 22 boards and 13 assists, uh, along with two steals and three blocks. Five turnovers, but still, when you have the ball in your hands that much, flat out incredible. Um, so... Well, I mean, what do the, what do the Clippers do? I, honestly, I think the best thing they could do is find a taker for Paul George, find another running mate who is more consistent uh, than than he is for Kawhi. Because as much as you can you can ding Kawhi for not showing up in a game seven, and rightly should, uh, as people are pointing out on Twitter, if if that was LeBron that put in that kind of effort. Uh, he would never hear the end of it. And, you know, it's happened before where it's an elimination game, like right before he left uh, to go to Miami. Um, I want to say he had an okay game in that one. It's been a long time. But you could tell that he was mentally checked out. And uh, if that happened today, he would have been raked over the coals. Or that uh, that series against the Mavs in the finals when, you know, he wasn't exactly LeBron yet. If that was today, he would have been destroyed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if, if people really give it to Kawhi like that, but he's not as polarizing a figure as LeBron is. Um, LeBron gets more love and hate simultaneously than any player in the league right now. 
but yeah, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what exactly they do because they, they have so much depth. They can't really replace within the draft. Um, so with, if doc is coming back, they'll probably keep the front office the same. So it's going to be some slight personnel tweaks here and there. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see what they do. Now Denver moving on to play the Lakers. This is going to be a tough number. It is another series where with the Lakers, as much as, you know, they beat the Rockets to me, the Rockets were an inherently flawed team. And I don't know. I assumed that would go five games. I believe that's what I said on this show. Um, and it's not like I get this right all the time. I had the Clippers in six. So what the hell do I know? Uh, but to me, the Rockets were a flawed team. And if they need to shoot minimum 53s and they need to hit about 36% of those, if not 38%, to have a legitimate shot at winning, it's possible, but that's a narrow window. And the Lakers can figure out other ways. And the Rockets have no answer for the Lakers' size. And once you look at the overall length of who the Lakers could put out there, it was going to be a tough mountain to climb for the Rockets. And that was, you know, that's what was borne out. But now against the Nuggets, all right. So Davis and Jokic will give a slight edge to Davis. But if you want to say there's a slight edge to Jokic after the way he played in this series, it's great though. Murray was the MVP of round one. You got to say that Jokic was the MVP of round two. They got two guys playing Lights out basketball right now. Uh, and Murray flat out lit it up last night on the offensive side, which is what they needed. Uh, and perhaps Michael Porter chiming in was the, uh, the, the, the kick in the ass that the Nuggets needed when you got a rook kind of running his mouth when he shouldn't be. But so, so whatever. AD versus Jokic. If you want to say that's a wash and it's even, okay, that's fine. Um, then, you know, uh, next high-end pairing, LeBron and Jamal. LeBron wins that. Even if Jamal outscores him, LeBron is going to get more assists. He's going to get more rebounds. He's going to get more steals. He's going to get more blocks. He's going to have more of an impact on the game overall, just like LeBron does. So LeBron wins that. Then after that, if Michael Porter can play decent, uh, I don't, you know, I don't have anybody in the Lakers that matches up with him. Gary Harris is rounding into shape. I trust him more than I do say a KCP, uh, even though KCP's had a full season. But I think, I don't know, KCP is streaky. When he is on, uh, the Lakers win. And when he is off, then it seems like the rest of the team is kind of off. I'm not saying he sets the tone, but it seems as though with the Lakers, when one of the surrounding cast is on, it seems like a night where everybody else is on too, and they easily win. Uh, but if any of those guys struggle, it just like spreads out like some sort of plague ripple effect, uh, and it affects all of them. But yeah, so then there's uh, Gary Harris. Jeremy Grant is going to be uh, a problem for them defensively. Um, you know, Rondo playing really well right now is surprisingly pretty key for the Lakers. Didn't foresee that in any way, shape, or form. And Rondo hitting threes. Just, you know, when he was pump faking in round one, it's like, who the fuck is buying on a pump fake from you from three? Just like never in a million years. And now 
He's shooting. I'd have to look it up, but he's in the top two or three percentage wise for three point shooting for the Lakers on a on a decent volume of shots. Uh, did not in any way, shape, or form see that happening. It's hard to bet against the Lakers when you have LeBron and AD. It's really tough uh, because you could very easily right now rely on them to get you 60 to 70 between the two of them pretty consistently if need be. Um, so then on the flip side, you're going to need Murray to go off for one of his 40-point games and, and Joker to get 20-something to even match that. It's possible. It's going to be difficult. Uh, you know, can Rondo, KCP, Alex Caruso, or someone else slow down Jamal Murray enough to impact him on the offensive side? Because AD is a, is a good defender, and he's probably going to line up quite a bit, especially in crunch time at center. So... I would imagine Frank Vogel goes back to the JaVale be starting and then playing those early minutes, and then maybe they shift just because then it frees AD up to play the four, and now Denver has a matchup problem at the four because who can match up with AD at the four? Um, so we'll see how much run they get. I thought that was, you know, it was really interesting by Vogel to sit McGee and Dwight Howard and really on some level play into the Rockets hands, but they out small balled the small ballist team, you know, left in the game right now. Uh, so we'll see who tweaks and makes the adjustments in this game. One on Friday be super interesting to see. I mean, shit at this point, I think the Lakers like just for, for Mojo or Juju, they need to go up 3-0 because if it's 3-1, I wouldn't trust that given the the Nuggets. I mean, can you do it three times in one playoffs? I Two times was crazy. But at this point now, after having seen it happen twice, I, I, you can't bet against it. Um, So let's get over to the chat a little bit. A ton of people have been uh, chiming in. Um, So let's see. Johnny Shoemaker said, what a game. Jokic was a, uh, or Jokic rather was a monster all game. Um, Doom Koss said, every time the Nuggets go to the conference finals, we face the Lakers. Well, you still made the conference finals. And the Lakers are a perennial playoff maker, even though their their recent playoff woes, um, you know, notwithstanding that, it's, it's in all likelihood, over the past 15, 20 years, you have a damn good chance of facing off against them, the Spurs, or the Warriors, one of those three teams making the conference finals. Um, let's see. Gabriel Pompili puts uh, Jokic punished them on every double team. Yes, he did. Francisco Ramirez says, honestly, these playoff games have given me a newfound respect for Jamal Murray. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, they said it in the game late last night that after his performance... Uh, last year, late in the playoffs, that he beat himself up over uh, the course of the offseason and was determined to kind of turn the corner and become a better player. And I liked, if you go all, all the way back to crap, I mean, almost a year ago at this time when uh, I was still with uh, Collider doing the show and I did my Western preview 
I had the Nuggets to win the West just because it's a young core. They have something to prove to the league that that you know last season's playoff run wasn't a fluke, and you could you know more than likely you're going to see improvements from Murray and Jokic, and uh, you have the looming presence of Michael Porter Jr. and Gary Harris can hopefully he had uh, you know an up and down season last year. Um, would he be able to basically, you know, get back on the horse and uh, provide just the consistent impact that you needed? But it now this late in the playoffs, it really has. You can see the development and growth of someone like Murray, especially. I mean, Jokic, Jokic has been in the MVP discussion uh, legitimately, but he's been in the MVP discussion. And Murray, it was a question of, well, can he make all-star level? And now after this performance, if he comes out guns a-blazing to open the season next year, he'll be in the all-star game. Um, so he's made that leap. So, he, man, that should be super interesting. But let's get back to some more from the chats. Uh, Wyatt Mohat said, uh, you think the Clippers got too cocky with Morris and Pat Bev's attitude towards other teams like the Mavs? I mean, have you guys seen Dame Lillard clapping back at the Clippers today? Because, you know, Clippers started that in that that bubble game where Pat Bev, after Dame missed those free throws, and afterwards Dame took full responsibility, did an interview saying, listen, uh, it, it's I missed those. Um, I am at fault. I let my team down. I can only work to get better. He just said all the things that you want from somebody in that position, all the, you know, Beyond the generic, it's just one game at a time. And as Van Gundy was pointing out, the cliches from the NBA package, it's it's like if you watch Bull Durham when Crash Davis is uh, is telling Nuke Lelouch all the things that he's supposed to say to reporters once he makes the show. And it's just like, uh, you know, with, with God willing, I'll be able to help my teammates win a couple games. I'm just uh, happy to be here, do whatever I can for the team. It's all that, just that stupid horse shit that you can say that is really meaningless. You know, uh, you just take it one day at a time. Uh, this team's really thinking outside of the box. Uh, at the end of the day, when it gets down to brass tacks, like just throw all that stupid jargon that is meaningless Um out there and Dame could have done that. He did a little bit, but he also he took responsibility um, and he was culpable, which you don't always uh, see. But Dame was clapping back at them so hard, like he tweeted at Pat Bev, "Hey man, I'll get you. You know, oh uh, shit, what was it? Like I'll get you uh, an extra extra ticket for your vacation in Cancun, or I'll extend my vacation to join you in Cancun, type of thing." And someone someone tweeted at him the shot of Paul George. I believe it was off the side of the backboard. He just sent back it and made me die laughing of, look good to me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I love that kind of pettiness. That's good NBA rivalry right there. Because they were all like over the top laughing. Go back and watch the clip of Pat Bev mocking Dame for Dame time. And then Marcus Morris keeled over laughing. And Lou Williams over on the side laughing as Pat Bev fell into fell into him because he's laughing so hard. Uh, just, I mean, just utterly ridiculous. Do I think that they were too cocky? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, 
the whole we can flip the switch type of thing. They never said it. But they had they had the vibe and feeling of that. Um they weren't taking the Nuggets seriously, just like they didn't take the Mavs seriously for uh, games until they had to. Now, Kawhi did. Kawhi showed up, and much like the robot that he is, he was just, you know, once I am here, I'm going to get you, you know, in that opening round, is like you can guarantee Kawhi is going to get you 28 to 30 every night and get you, you know, seven to nine rebounds and six to eight assists, and he's going to uh, maybe two steals and a block or, you know, one steal and three blocks type of, you know, he was bringing it. He was consistent. It wasn't until this round and I'm not giving him a pass as the best player out there and wanting the crown of best in the world. He may never say it, but you know, he wants it just like any of those top tier guys do. They all think they're the best and rightly so. Um, it's what you like in, and sometimes dislike about him. Like Westbrook Westbrook is out there. You know, that last game against the Lakers and they're down double digits and you can see Westbrook mouthing to the Lakers like, yeah, you better double me. And LeBron starts kind of laughing. Uh, dude, you're down by so much right now that this is pointless. We don't, we, we'll leave you unguarded. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Shoot. Uh, but that that level of, of confidence is needed. You got to keep shooting. You got to keep believing that you're the best. Otherwise, you're done uh, when you're an apex predator like that. So, yeah, I think I think the Clippers got too cocky, which is crazy from a Clippers team after having watched them, you know, all my life. The Clippers have been the Clippers, the redheaded stepchild in Los Angeles since I've lived here and long before I lived here. So you would think, like, uh, across, around the city, um, they have all this... Blue collar, you know, to steal from Memphis, grit and grind type of uh, advertising. And it'll be a billboard, you know, with that that uh, font that they have, that gothic-ish font that they have on their jerseys. Uh, and it'll say like uh, street lights instead of spotlights. And it's like all this, you know, this is the real, the real blue collar, hardworking team. Uh and they seem to have lost that when it got to late in the season and they were just assuming, Hey, we'll be in the finals or at the very least the Western conference finals. Like we're not taking our competition seriously because there is no serious competition until we get to the Lakers. Uh, because everybody, myself included was assuming this was going to be an all Los Angeles, uh, you know, uh, uh, Western conference finals. Yeah. It's crazy talk. So I got, two of the four teams right left in this conference finals. I got the Lakers and the Celtics, right? Uh, but I did not get the heat and I did not get the nuggets. I would imagine more people guessed heat than did guess nuggets of the overall. Uh, but anyway, back to the chat and thank you to everybody. There's tons of people chatting today. I thoroughly appreciate it with my buddy bailing. I mean, I like doing these rolling solos. Um, just a whatever thoughts on the game type of stuff, but it's nice to have the interaction with the chat over on the side. Uh, so thank you to everybody that's chiming in. Cause there are just tons and tons and tons of people. I think this could be the most chatted up day, but it's also, we got two stellar games. Um, 
last night. So it does fuel more eyes. And just like me, I, you know, you were just like me watching the hell out of these last night. So Johnny Shoemaker puts in, uh, Oh, well, first it's, I, I think this is in regards to the Denver championships. At first you run into Kobe, now LeBron and AD that's rough. Um, cash do it, do it for cash said rockets played the numbers instead of the game. Yeah. But that's been the rockets thing the whole time. Um, they've been playing the numbers nonstop. Johnny Shoemaker puts in the best two players left in the playoffs are on the same team, Lakers and five or six. Ha. I mean, are they just like a quantum leap better than everybody else? It's, it's not like they're, so massively favored in this series. A Lakers in five, I think, is crazy talk. I think six is six is possible. I hope it goes seven. And my real hope is the Nuggets in in seven, just because I've seen the Lakers in the championship. Uh, I'd love to see the Nuggets have a potential chance to win an NBA championship. I, this team is so much fun. And they're set up for the next couple of years. I mean, the West is going to be a murderer's row next year. Flat out murderer's row. So Clippers, let's just assume Clippers stand pat by and large. They're going to be so hungry. It's going to be ridiculous. Lakers, whatever the outcome this year is, LeBron is going to be motivated because his legacy is flat out on the line. So if they win this year and he gets another finals MVP, if he wins another championship with the Lakers next year, like he's inching into GOAT. I still have Jordan, but at the same time, as he stacks up all these accomplishments, it's going to be really difficult for the preponderance of people to maintain the position that has been the average NBA fans position uh, that didn't grow up with LeBron. Like, um, you know, my, my nephews are younger than me and they've only known LeBron. Uh, they didn't see Jordan play. So I'm pretty sure to both of them, LeBron is the greatest of all time. And there's a generation coming up that feels that way. And it's, it's hard to, when you look at his list of accomplishments, now I can undercut those, you know, as I have in the past in like the, the number of finals repeat runs over and over and over again every year. Isn't that impressive to me? Just given how weak the competition in the East was. So your first two rounds are nothing until you get to the finals usually the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and then you're finally facing some stiff competition. Occasionally it would be, you know, the semis before they got to the finals and whatever team he was with. But the East has been a cakewalk uh, for him during his reign there. And that's also part of the LeBron is over there. Some, some guys fled to the West, so they didn't have to deal with them. But anyway, so in the West, the Lakers coming back strong. Portland, if they come back fully uh, healthy, they maintain their team and maybe make some uh, little slight additions here and there. What is it? Their GM, Neil Olshay, um, I believe. Probably pick up a couple pieces here and there. You get the Nuggets. You get the surging, uh, you know, Memphis Grizzlies, although they should take a slight regression and they'll be on the the playoff bubble-ish. But the Warriors will be back at full strength. You have Denver. Uh, what does OKC do? Do they end up trading Chris Paul? Now reports are Bucks don't want to make a run at him because it'll cost too much and they'd rather put those resources elsewhere, but we'll see. Um, I mean, 
that's just off the top of my head. We can keep going. Like the West is going to be so ridiculously stacked next year. So I don't know if it's a fate accomplished with the Lakers in five or six, just like that lickety split and snap of the finger. But perhaps it is. Perhaps the Nuggets will finally be gassed, although they get an extra day off instead of every other day. Now that they got two days rest off and they're the younger team, um, especially from their, their superstars who are just now hitting their primes. Um, the And with Murray, the early part of his prime. So the younger legs should benefit them there. And uh, I don't know. It'll be really interesting. All right, moving on to the next one. Uh, David Nishimoto what's, uh, says, what was impressive was Denver's defense on L.A. shooters. I mean, they're a good defensive team. They've got a lot of length and interesting size. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. is a really tough matchup for most teams. Jeremy Grant is a solid pickup for them. Um, getting Gary Harris back, so now you got more defense at the wings because Jamal Murray is never really going to give you that, but you need him for his buckets, not for his defense. Uh, and Jokic as well is not really much of a defender. Um, and now having lost that size, uh, or not size, but his the weight, he can't really bang as well as he could before, but, you know, that trade-off, he's playing really well. Um, Gabriel, uh, Gabriel Pompili writes, playoff Rondo is a real thing. Tanner, do you think uh, had the Mavs had KP playing and Luka been fully healthy, they could have beaten the Clippers or could have taken the Clippers? Possibly. Possibly. Um, especially with KP getting ejected in that game. They could have taken that one, and then suddenly the complexion of that is a little bit different. But you assume the experience of the Clippers in that still would have won out. It might have been pushed to seven games. But now, having gotten you know shown up by the Nuggets after being up 3-1, you could talk yourself into any reality. So who knows? Who knows? Um, all right, so I'm going to move over to the Eastern Conference because I don't want to spend this entire time. Uh, people on Twitter and in this chat have been saying, like, I hope the East doesn't get overshadowed in today's show. It's hard not to. I mean, come on. This, the legacy effect of that game and just the couldn't believe it while it was happening. When Murray did that fadeaway, top of the key, desperation three late in the game, uh, and it and makes it and puts it up by 18. You're just like this. That was the final nail in the coffin of the Clippers. And to see it that dramatically, um, the swagger and confidence of somebody to put it up, it's a shot clock expiring. Just ridiculous. Just utterly ridiculous. Good for the Nuggets. Congratulations. Um, do I think Lakers will win? Yes. My hope, though, is Nuggets in seven. And we just get a nice, long, drawn-out series that is Utterly entertaining to watch. Um, fingers crossed, guys. Fingers crossed. And gals. But so far, the chat and who chimes in on Twitter, I, I would say the following on, on this show is probably about 99.9% .9 male. But uh, I haven't seen any women chime in just yet. But I know that there are female NBA fans. So hopefully we have some uh, listening to this show and joining the overall community. Um, God, maybe we should make like a Discord or something. For the finals, we just have a chat going the whole time. Then I can get a better understanding of everybody out that's out there. And then going through 
the uh, off season, just as a heads up, I will still maintain, unlike uh, on Collider, I'll still maintain the show in the off season, try and do it every week, not twice a week because there's no point it, twice a week, but since it's going to be such a compacted off season, I don't see why not. Anyway, moving forward to the East uh, and also on that discord server, uh, I'll look into it. I've never set one up. So if anybody that's listening to this has any experience, uh, hit me up um, on Twitter at Matt Nost. Um, and I'll send you, you know, maybe we can do a little email correspondence and um, help me set it up or some jazz, but I should be able to look it up and figure it out uh, and then maybe get that going for the finals. Uh, and yes, I, you know, just like the conference finals, I will watch every game I possibly can. Uh, it's it's fantastic. The NBA, gotta fucking love it. Over to the East. What a block from Bam. Um, I was texting with uh, Fernandez. Um, he's the only real, like, devout Heat fan that I have in my circle of friends. I got a bunch of Celtics fans. So getting texts from all the Celtics fans during the game. And what a crazy game. Watching it, Celtics win the first quarter, Heat win the second quarter, Celtics win the third quarter, Heat win the fourth quarter. So you assume going into overtime, you're like, all right, Celtics are going to take then overtime. It's just this back and forth and back and forth thing. But the momentum of the fourth quarter carried over for the Heat. I thought there was a damn good chance it was going to go to double OT. My question is, why in fucking hell? Did Jason Tatum shoot a 30-some-odd-footer to close regulation? Why? He should have done what he did to close OT, which is drive to the basket. You guys are in the bonus. The refs are going to be more than likely swallowing their whistles. But worst case is you drive, defenses collapse, and then you kick out to a wide-open shooter who is already set up you know, in ready motion to catch the ball and launch instead of dribbling. He got the ball with like four seconds left and just dribbling at the top and then doing a little, what he likes to do that little sidestep to his left and uh, stroking along three. It just watching as soon as it went up, it's like, this is, even if it goes in, this is dumb. And I can't, I can't imagine Brad Stevens wanted this as the final shot. You only need a two to win this. There's no point in increasing the degree of difficulty. Even if you are a good three-point shooter, your percentages, everybody's percentages, by and large, go up the closer you get to the basket. Uh, now, there are those random anomalies like Dame or potentially uh, Steph or potentially like whatever that from 35-ish feet, or somehow just lights out compared to the rest of the league. Like there are a few guys that have that ability. And I'm not saying that Tatum isn't a good enough shooter to take that shot from three, but it doesn't make sense at the very least get to the elbow, get to, you know, just get closer for Christ's sakes. You only need a two. There is no point in forcing a long three, a semi-contested long three at that. Doesn't make any sense. Like I was just in real time, like, why should have been that right there should have been the most obvious thing to me that, um, that they weren't, I don't know, mentally poised to win that game. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. What I found interesting from the heat too is, so they hadn't run 
zone defense yet uh, this playoffs. But they saw that Nick Nurse rolled that out against the Celtics and it befuddled the Celtics a little bit. So Spolstra ran it out certain times and they're doing the switch. I love it when coaches do that. Nurse is a big proponent of it where you run zone and you run it just long enough for the offense to adjust and then you switch back over to a man or to a different, you know, split man zone package or maybe a different function of zone instead of like boxing one, you do a diamond, you, you do a two, three, or just you keep changing things up ever so slightly, even though they're professionals, but now they have to readjust and think on the fly of what is the best way to counter um, this defense. Super interesting. And I also found it interesting that the heat were trapping Kimba. Like if he got the ball at the top of the key, then they were running up to trap Kimba who did not have a good game. He had a, a bad shooting game and perhaps it was the feeling the pressure uh, of the guys collapsing down upon him. So early on, there's just the energy and intensity uh, of wanting to run away and flee from that and get to some sort of open look. Um, but so they're doubling him up high and then kicking it over. And it's not like the Celtics don't have other options. You normally do that blitz when a team has no other choice. Like, you know, the Clippers were doing it to Jokic last night and doubling him, um, and it was backfiring on him. Um, and it was, you know, to some degree, in the second and, or pardon me, the first and third quarters, the Celtics were taking advantage. Uh, but in the third, the uh, pardon me, in the second, the fourth, and OT, uh, the Heat just had it. I love that, you know, Jimmy... Jimmy comes alive late. I've been, as a Bulls fan, I, I love Jimmy on the team. Um, now, when he got, you know, when the Bulls got rid of him, all the stories were coming out that, like, he wasn't the best with the locker room and he kind of rubbed certain guys the wrong way. And then he goes to Minnesota and he is Minnesota's best player, even though they have Towns and Wiggins. He's their best player. But then the stories come out again. Um, so then he leaves and he goes to Philadelphia and there's the discussion from Philadelphia afterwards of, ah, he doesn't really get along with everybody. And it seems as though afterwards now, after the fallout, he didn't get along or maybe it's not that he didn't get along. He didn't see eye to eye with Brett Brown. You know, uh, if you listen to when he was on JJ Reddick's podcast, he talked about a specific meeting where they went in to watch tape with, in Brett Brown's office and nothing was said. And they just watched this tape. And then he walked out and he turned to JJ and was like, why the fuck would I ever go to another meeting if that is what gets accomplished in these meetings? Like that was a waste of everyone's time. But he didn't get along with um, Brett Brown. And Simmons didn't like the fact that in the playoffs, in the fourth quarter, it was Jimmy is now going to be the general uh, of our offense and we're going to move Simmons over to the dunker spot. And I understand that from Simmons, but like this year at the trade deadline, Elton Brand is sitting there saying, all right, well, you know, when asked, who are you guys keying in on who, who are your targets? And he's like, well, we need a playmaker and somebody else can have the ball in their hands. And basically was just describing Jimmy Butler. And she's like, you fucking had that guy. Everybody in the world could see that's who you needed to, uh, you know, resign or resign rather. Um, and, you know, not to get, to get off these two teams, but now the, the 
Sixers have, have said emphatically, Elton Brand has, that they're not going to be trading one of their two stars this offseason. But I don't I don't know what they do. They have they're so cap hamstrung with Horford and Tobias Harris's contracts, coupled with Embiid and Simmons, that they don't really have much flexibility to do all that much. And they sent the the Clippers a ton of different stuff just to get Tobias Harris. So it's not like they have a, a like this big flourish of potential young talent coming in through the draft. So anyway, Butler leaves there and he goes to the Heat. And now the Heat have the culture that the rest of the NBA, the players of by and large all said, you either love it or you hate it. I mean, the Heat have conditioning and body fat, like weigh-ins and check-ins, like it's a beauty pageant in the 50s. You got to have a certain level of health in order to not get fined, to to get playing time, to not have to do extra sprints and extra conditioning. And it's like high school when you had a coach that would just drive you into the ground because he wanted you to hit a certain metric, but you had no choice in the matter because you don't have the leverage of an NBA star when you can get a coach fired if you're uh, you know, a big enough star type of thing and you don't like the way that the, the ship is being sailed at the moment. Um, but the Heat have a specific culture and Jimmy fits right in. There's a quote from him saying, when asked, you know, why do you think you fit in so well with the Heat? Uh, and he is quoted as saying, because I can tell my teammates when they're doing something wrong, and they sure as hell better tell me when I'm doing something wrong. And that's that's true. I mean, it's it's everything Jimmy's ever wanted was just accountability and the rest of the team trying as hard as he does. That was his biggest gripe with Minnesota, and he was right. You know, Cat is just not built that way. Wiggins, I think, will be a good piece for the Warriors. Now, not at his salary, but he'll be a good piece for the Warriors because all the pressure is completely off. And now it's like a Harrison Barnes type of situation where we just need you to get consistently, you know, 15-ish points, but we don't need you to be Maple Jordan. Um but Jimmy, like everywhere that he's left, when you, you do a post-mortem on it, you're like, yeah, he's kind of right. Like they don't have they don't have what it takes right now to win a championship. And each team has been worse after his absence. He made every one of those teams better from the Bulls to the Wolves to then the Sixers. Every single one of them was a much better team when Jimmy was on that team. And the Heat, he, I mean... It's so crazy because watching the game, he was kind of a non-factor for a big chunk of the game. And then when it gets down to late, you want that ball in his hands. When he made that three from the corner, I, I knew it was going in before he took the shot because he only really shoots threes as counterintuitive as it is in high leverage moments when they need a three. And he and he is not a good three-point shooter, but just the moment of he knows they need it and he knows he's the guy that he should be shooting the shots, so he's going to shoot it. Therefore, it's going to go in. And this playoff series, it has gone in. Um, yeah, I thought that the Heat were going to be in somewhat more trouble, like with Duncan Robinson getting into very early on. He got two quick fouls, 
subs out, comes back in in the second quarter, gets his third foul. He checks out at that point. He has three fouls. He's played three minutes. He has three points. And you're like, they really need his shooting to help with the spacing because it opens up the driving lanes for Butler and Dragic. Uh, and it frees up uh, Crowder, who can just sit out there. And then Adebayo can sky in for the rebounds. And it just helps create the spacing. Now, you can bring in uh, Tyler Harrow, uh, and he gives you some of that. But Duncan uh, Robinson is a better three-point shooter. Um, you know, now has this season been one of the best three-point shooters. So it just really gives a dimension that their offense needs. But Crowder's hitting threes like he's on the Boston Celtics again. Uh, it's crazy. Crowder hasn't shot this well for a long time. And perhaps it's just on a team where he knows his role. He knows, you know, he's going to be asked to do one one or two very specific things. Uh, and he'll do that to a T. But yeah, Jimmy, late in that game, or going up and getting... Uh, that contact on the the drive. Now, I don't think that was a foul that late in the uh, you know uh, conference finals playoff game. Um, I don't think that was a foul. But so to get to the piece de resistance of the game, which is Bam's block. What a great block! Clean, just just perfect. Does anybody else, man, every time I watch one of those blocks, like the Kawhi one on the Nuggets where he blocked Murray, but it ended up only being like his middle finger and it gets snapped back. But every time their hand gets pushed back, it just, oh, the fingers. I see an injury right there. It's like, hey, or it goes up and their hand gets uh, sandwiched between the ball and the rim and then gets pushed back. Like, oh, how do you not break one of the bones in your hand? And then it takes so long to heal because you can't, you just need to immobilize it. You can't use the hands. You just got to play through the pain, I guess, because it's the playoffs. But Bam's block was undeniably great. I got tweets saying, was that, the, that that was probably the greatest block of all times. Like, it wasn't. If it happened in the finals, now like the, the moment matters. It really does. Um, so conference finals elevates it. It's an awesome block. It was stellar to watch in the moment and bam, just elevated and showed why he made uh defensive all second team for the NBA this year. Uh, just a monster out there patrolling the paint, you know, getting those weak side blocks, kind of like Giannis, uh, stepped right up. And once again, that's, that's the play that I wanted from Tatum to close the game. Drive in. Make them earn the miss as opposed to you're launching from they'll happily settle. If you make that, at least it's a tough make. It's like the Dame shot against OKC when he waves bye-bye. You know, Paul George afterwards saying, you know, that wasn't a good shot. Well, it went in, which makes it by definition a good shot. Um, but if you're OKC, if it wasn't Dame, if it was anybody else, if it was CJ shooting that, you take it. Uh, or if it was somehow at that time, like Rodney Hood, or this year, if it was Carmelo, you take it. But Dame is so good from that distance that that's still a good shot for him. Um, but Tatum hasn't kind of reached that upper echelon level of the Currys of the world where that long distance three is just as good as his little teardrop floater in the lane when he's running in. Um, 
or his little circus layups that that he'll make. Um, so I happily would settle for that if I was a Heat fan. Um, but I tell you this much, man: the Heat. Butler shows up. Dragic shows up. They got some nice minutes from uh, Kendrick Nunn, and I think him playing that well is evidence of how well Spolstra runs that team because a like Zach Lowe just had Duncan Robinson on, on uh, his podcast. And he brought up something interesting where the players on the heat get to at least at the very least recommend who they'd like to D up. Now the coaching staff may, may change that up, but I've never heard of like that's pickup ball shit. The coach assigns defensive matchups, but Spolstra listens to his team and and goes, okay, if you think you can do this. Now, they might make certain adjustments, like I said before, but he's going to rely on the insight of his players to help flesh out uh, the idea of, of what their game plan is going to be. But the point about Kendrick Nunn is, so Spolstra sat him down and told him and told the team why Dragic was going to get the start. A... You know, none was late to the bubble getting in and had to basically reacclimate and get into a rhythm and all that. But B, they need the experience and the steady hand of somebody that's been around the league longer. It's nothing against you, Kendrick. You started the vast majority, 56 or so games, something along those lines. You made, you know, all rookie first team, and rightly so. Um, you were uh, a huge part of what the the Heat did this year. But for the betterment of the team, we need you to take a step back. Or like Myers Leonard, who's getting no run because every good coach in the playoffs, you shorten your rotation down to like eight guys. So players nine and 10 who are used to getting, you know, eight to to 14 minutes a night, it's going to be a much rarer occurrence for you to get on the floor. But if you look over there, Myers Leonard is cheering uh, his teammates on harder or as hard as anybody else. I'm sure he would love to be out there just like any of them would. They're competitors and they want to be out there and play. Um, but at the same time, if you can't, well, cheering on, helping call out to defensive matchups or switches. Uh, maybe you had eyes on something offensively where the defense is, is sleeping on this switch or the back cuts, which the Heat are really good at. That little Tyler Harrow um, back cut where he was going, it was almost like a, a slip cut he was kind of walking, ambling towards the foul line, and his defender was lazily, I can't remember who it was, but lazily on him, but looking over where the ball was, and he just immediately ran back towards the hoop, wide open, boom, threw him in, easy layup. Um, But myers Leonard could have been over there helping game plan. It's another set of eyes of an NBA player, and it's great to see that from a team. It was like JaVale and Dwight on the sidelines, during the Rockets game, they could have been sulking and upset that they weren't playing, but instead they were celebrating their teammates' success because it is a team sport. Of course, they'd like to be out there, but if you can't, then you do whatever you can to help your team succeed. Um, and both of these teams seem to have that. Man, I mean, this Eastern Conference Finals is, I hope every game was like that. It was back and forth, it's evenly matched. It's like, uh, one team's offense gets into a nice rhythm and they play really crisp 
basketball, the, you know, John Wooden in his grave just got hard type of stuff. Uh, and then the defense rekeys back in and it kind of stays status quo and they go back and forth point for point to close out the quarter. And then the other team in the next quarter puts it together for like three, four minutes and just playing the most beautiful of basketball. And then the defense readjusts and it's just like, it's this little chess match between two excellent coaches. Um, I hope the West is this caliber of basketball. Because uh, Mike Malone has always, you know, been a player's coach. Every every player that's played for him has enjoyed it. And Frank Vogel, I've had questions about. Um, you know, he had some some nice runs with his indie teams, but then he went to Orlando after that, and they were they were Orlando. I mean, sorry to I think it's uh, Kyle Orango. Is uh, a, a fan of the show. It's one of the few Magic fans that I know. And good for you, man. Um, you know, I'm a Bulls fan. I did. We did have the championships twenty some odd years ago, but it's it's been a desert landscape by and large since then. Uh, and it's tough to follow a team like that. You know, year in year out. But anyway, Vogel with Orlando was like, yeah, okay. So perhaps Indy was just the they had Paul George ascend right at the right time. Um, oh, because what's his name got hurt. He was the superstar before that, but they ended up having, what was it? The micro fracture surgery, Shh, Danny Granger. Um, yeah. So he had Danny Granger leading into, they were supposed to be bad. And then Paul George ascended when he had that, that playoffs against, uh, Braun in the heat where they were just, he was coming back at them for every you know bucket. It was really cool to see. Uh, and that's when you thought that there Paul George could be something. And then since then I've watched enough Paul George where I think it's fool's gold. Um, I don't think he's a superstar, even though he was in the what, top three MVP discussion. Once it comes to playoff times, I just don't buy into him. And then this year just further cemented my belief about Paul George. Uh, but I've had that for a while. Um, I'm not going to slag off on the guy. Everybody is today. He, he was getting dragged through the coals last night, just dragged. He was trending on Twitter within an hour and there was 50,000 tweets with him in the tweets. And I did not see Paul George. I mean, pardon me, Kawhi Leonard or Doc Rivers really trending. Um, who were the other two people that you could go after? And now Doc is, I mean, he's got more down up three, one and losing on his record than I think any other coach in NBA history. That kind of hurts. He'll be back next season. Um, yeah, but in that, you know, so for the the Heat Celtics, man, I mean, I genuinely hope this goes seven because we're going to get a game where Jalen Brown is going to go off in tandem with uh, Jason Tatum. And will the Celtics, or pardon me, will the Heat have an answer for that? We're also going to get a game of, instead of, Jimmy trying to get everybody else involved and taking a step back until the fourth quarter, like last night, Jimmy's going to go off and decide, you know what? I need to put this team on my back from moment one. And it's going to be like him and Dragic put up 60 something combined between the two of them. And it's just like, do the Celtics have an answer for that? Or uh, it should be this back and forth and back and forth. Um, can Thea stay on the court? That'll be interesting because, you know, Time Lord is good, and he played well last night, but I trust Theus more. He has proven that he is uh, pretty steady thus far. Um, 
So I, yeah, I'm hoping this goes back and forth and back and forth. Um, so let's just get to a little bit uh, more from everybody else that uh, that chimed in. Uh, I'm just going to randomly choose in the middle here because you guys have been. This is easily the biggest chat day. And thank you to everybody. There's, I don't know how many chats would you guys say? 30 or 40 of them so far, something like that. Um, so we'll start here to, to close. Uh, Johanna, I'm assuming this is Lita Verta. Uh, everything I hear about Butler makes me like him more and more. You're not alone. You're not alone. Sebastian Velastegui, or Velastegui. Lakers are winning it all in all caps. Quite possibly. They make the finals. Who knows? But then he also said, Matt, what are your thoughts on how this playoff series is playing very similar to 2009 when the Lakers knocked out Houston and then Denver and Western Conference Finals and then went on to win it all in Orlando? I I think either of the two teams in the East are more complete than Orlando was. Orlando was early small ball before small ball kind of really existed at the level of it is today. But it was Dwight Howard surrounded by four shooters. And you could totally do that today. Uh, you get away with that. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think Orlando was basically, they weren't ready. Now, when you go back and look at it, perhaps if they made it the next year after that, they would have had the seasoning to push whatever team they faced in the finals, but they just weren't ready. So I think this year's heat and uh, uh, Celtics team both have players with more experience. And I trust both of those teams as a collective unit more than I did uh, Orlando at the time. Um, David Nishimoto, I'm assuming this is in reference to something else someone else said, but he said, nope, Celtics are heat. Uh, as to either potentially the picks he had making the Eastern Conference Finals or who's going to win the championship. So perhaps David is saying those are his overall championships. Um, Josh H says Paul George has proven that he should be a third option on a team. Yeah. I mean, a really good team. But yeah, he's not a number two because if this this is legitimately one of the, the deepest teams we've seen in a while, because usually it's so top end, you know, heavy because you have to pay your apex predators and then you fill in with, you know, uh, uh, mid-level exceptions and guys that are wanting to chase a championship that are willing to take a, a discount to come and hang out with you and make a championship run. So if you can't get it together with this team, when you have now two six men of the year and Lou Will and Montrez Harrell, and you have Landry Shamit that can shoot from three and Jermichael Green that can shoot from three and uh, Patterson, if you want to get down to him, you picked up Marcus Morris, the ostensibly the better of the two Morris brothers uh, at the trade deadline. Um, you know, just the depth on this team. The only really flaw that they had was um, center. And Zubach, just, you know, playing decent enough. But that was it. So if Paul George can't ex excel on this, like it's weird to lay the blame at this at his feet when Kawhi is the number one. But if you look at most of the playoff performances from Kawhi, it was, it was Kawhi. Last night, though, he shit the bed. So we should probably be putting more of this at his feet, but we haven't. Um so uh, I'm going to get to, oh, Johnny. So I guess All-NBA was just released. Johnny Shoemaker's 
putting the All NBA first team in the chat. It's Luca, Harden, Giannis, LeBron, and Davis. Yeah, that seems about right. Good for Luca. Good for Luca. All the others are you assumed type of things, but good for Luca. Um, and then someone whose name I cannot pronounce. Uh, because I believe that's in Hebrew, and I don't, uh, I don't speak Hebrew. Uh, sorry, I can pass in a couple languages, but they're all Latin derivative. Uh, so, in Hebrew, uh, is not one of those languages. But he puts, in your opinion, which European player is best this year in the NBA? Nikola Jokic or Luka Doncic? I think over the course of the entire season, you have to say Doncic, but in the playoffs now, you've had two series from Luka. I mean, from a. a Jokic. Although first round, it was Doncic. Second round, it's Jokic. If you're going for overall playoff uh, performances, I would have to say Jokic just because in the second round, he was more than likely ostensibly the best player on the floor when Kawhi Leonard was out there. Uh, and that's saying something. It's uh, Someone posted the stat last night that he's the first center to lead the winning team in scoring. Um, and 13 years, 11 years, 13 years, something like that. Just crazy talk. So good to the, good for the nuggets. I can't wait for Friday. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have that, that game two tomorrow night. Uh, I'm sure all of you will be tuning in for that. Johnny Shoemaker chimes in real quick. The second team is Dame, Jokic, um, Paul, Siakam, and Kawhi. All right. Yeah. I like Chris Paul making the second team because OKC was a shock to me. I figured that they were going to just get rid of everybody, um, take advantage of all those draft picks. And uh, anyway, so then the third team is Simmons, Butler, Gobert, Westbrook, and Tatum. Now that's where you can get into the maybe we should – stick on other guys here and there. And I'd have to go through, I have not done like who I would put first team, second team and third team. Um, those first 10 guys listed, I think unequivocally. Yes. I would say Butler. Yes. Uh, I'd have to look at centers, but go bear. Sure. Um, Simmons Westbrook. I'd want to look to see what other guards could potentially fight for those spots. Tatum. You could totally make a case for the problem with the wanting to get other Raptors on there is with all the different injuries, whatnot. So many guys were in and out of the lineups. Like they had people that didn't qualify for six man that would have made six man in years uh, past. Um, so it's tough to get, you know, Lowry would be the only other option. And he's just stacked up against the other guards. Lowry has no real shot. Um, yeah. I wish, I wish this had come out earlier and I would have done, uh, some sort of discussion on which teams are what, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, end it there for today's dropping dimes. Thank you to everybody in the chat. This has been the best chat. Maybe on Friday, um, I reached out to a couple potential guests, but maybe we make it an all chat show again. This was a lot of fun, and you, it was, it was, it was good to interact. And perhaps we can uh, get more of even more of a back and forth going for you guys. And once again, if anybody has any uh, um, experience with the Discord. A server 
uh, or whatever in the world it's called, uh, let me know. We should set one up for the finals and get a big uh, chat going amongst all of us because uh, I'm watching all those games. So, and I'm having text exchanges and everything else with my friends. If I don't respond, it's because I'm too engrossed during the game uh, and I don't want to take my eyes off of it. But um, anyway, that is it for today's Drop and Dimes. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Um, and if you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe to that podcast uh, uh, server of your choice and uh, leave me a review. It uh, it helps kind of move me up the rankings and uh, exposes more people to the show. I thoroughly appreciate it. Um, that is it for this week on Dropping Dimes. You can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, the playoffs have been awesome. I can't wait for tomorrow night's game and then Friday nights. I will see you guys all uh, Friday at noon. Be going live here once again over on YouTube. And uh, that is it. Have a good rest of your Wednesday. Adios.